To have passion in life is everything. What's your Everest? Oh, is it yeah. that 200 inch box? They just look so impressive when they're wide. Especially running away. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Eastman's Elevated. It's like a think tank for outdoor activity. Sounds exactly like my hunting. Just always thinking about it, always trying to evolve it and make it better. Here's your host, Brian Barney. Hey, what's happening, guys? Got a brand new podcast for you. So this week I have on my good buddy, Sean Curran. So Sean resides in Hawaii and gets a ton of experience hunting axis and mouflon sheep. In fact, we're just finishing up this mouflon sheep hunt, and so everything's so fresh in our heads. And the subject matter for today is advanced spot and stock. Um, you know, bow hunting's all about seizing the moment and making good on those opportunities when they present themselves. And the better you are at spotting and stocking, and the better you are at keeping your cool during the moment, just the more trophies that you're going to harvest. And so we do a deep dive on it. Sean's the perfect guy for it. He's extremely successful. He harvested a, a ram on this hunt, and then um, he actually just flew out of Montana a few days ago and was successful out here on a bull elk and on a buck antelope. Uh, he's a heck of a hunter. He's got great insight. So I really enjoyed the conversation, and I know you guys will too. Sponsor for today's show is Swagger Bipods. Swagger just builds the, the best bipods on the market. It's such an intelligent design. So they make a model that'll mount to your rifle stock. Uh, it has extendable legs on it. Um, it's got spring-loaded... It's spring-loaded, the legs are, which creates tension, which you can spread them as wide as you want to, as narrow as you want to. You can all also use that tension to pull that rifle stock into your armpit, which makes for a real stable shooting position. Um, it, it's also a great bipod as you can twist while you're you're shooting on the rest. So a lot, of, a lot of bipods you have to pick up and set back down if that animal walks right or walks left. That swagger is designed so you can just twist on that bipod and keep on your target. Um, they also build another model. They make shooting sticks, so if you don't like the weight on your stock of your rifle, you can carry their shooting sticks. It's got the same intelligent design where things are spring-loaded for tension for moving your rifle up or moving your rifle down. Uh, shooting a rifle accurately is all about your rest and swagger just gives you the the best rest possible so if you're in the market for shooting sticks if you're in the market for bipod make sure to check swagger out the other sponsor for today's show is matthew's bows i am in love with matthew's bows i really believe they build the best bows on the planet i i am so impressed um you know i i love the the last few years models but the verdicts this year is just absolutely off the hook. It's such a forgiving bow. It's such a great shooter. I'm getting great performance out of it. Um, you know, I just trust that thing with my entire season. Those uh, engineers and the the research and, and design portion at Matthews are, are working their tails off. And every year they just keep improving those models. And uh, they're the absolute top of the heap. That, that verdicts is so quiet, so smooth. Uh, so forgiving. Um, yeah, I just, uh, I don't even know how they can top themselves after this bow, but I'm in love with it. It's been a great shooter for me in the season. Uh, did really well on this past Hawaii trip. Did really well on this past elk trip. I'm just so impressed. If you guys are in the market for a new bow, make sure to shoot that that Matthews. Um, they really are building the best bows out there, and I, I really like them. So uh, thanks to Matthews for their support of the podcast. 
with that over there at Eastman's, um, yeah, seeing a few pictures come through. I think the the hunt winners have been shooting some elk um, out there. And then um, I saw a picture last night of a buck that I killed. Uh, I killed a heck of a buck. It's got a big flyer on it, a uh, nice big frame, uh, good fronts, good backs, just a gorgeous deer. So pump for him. Um, he had some success. I saw Dan arrowed that good bull. I saw him arrow a buck antelope. I'm not sure what else he's turned out, but he's a, he's a heck of a hunter and, um, I'm sure he's going to produce some more careers. So it's really fun to enjoy in everybody's success. See the text messages come through. I've had a little success myself, which always feels good. And uh, I just can't believe how fast the fall goes. Um, seems like you got all this time in front of you and pretty soon it's over and gone and in the rear view mirror. So, uh, I still got some good ones coming up. Uh, I got a an elk tag that I'm super excited about here in Montana, so I've kind of been holding out. And um, yeah, going to go for a good bowl, see if we can't get this one on film, hook up with my good buddy Dan again, going to do another one of those live podcasts. Um, it was really fun putting that out to you guys, and I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. Uh, like anything, the more you do, the better you get. So I definitely see some improvements I can make. But overall, I'm really happy with the way it came out and the way it was portrayed. It's it's as authentic as it gets as you get to see the highs and lows of things um, during a mule deer hunt or high country mule deer hunt. So it'll be awesome uh, for me to look back on as well and listen to in the off season. But um, super stoked. Got some great recordings coming up to you guys. Some great Beyond the Grids. And... Um, yeah, just some great content while we're in hunting season here. We still got some hunts left, so keep hunting hard. And um, yeah, let's get into this podcast. So uh, my buddy Sean Kern, me, your host, Brian Barney, Eastman's Elevated. Here we go. Okay, I'm live here. I got my buddy Sean Kern. Um, we're just finishing up an epic hunt here um, in Hawaii. And so I'm at his house and we thought we'd sit down and record a podcast um thanks as always sean sure brian it's just been another epic adventure oh my gosh was it ever yeah we just had an absolutely awesome hunt we're gonna have the other guys show up tonight and do like a podcast on this sheep hunting deer hunting that we've been doing but i wanted to sit down with you today we got some time this afternoon and just record one like on spot and stock hunting um you know, you get so much experience out here in Hawaii, so many chances to move on animals and make plays on animals, and they're so good at catching you that you get really good at stalking and still hunting. And so you're the perfect guy to talk to and have on the podcast and talk about the nuances of the stock because ultimately, you know, it's going to come down. Like you can you can watch and see the biggest buck, the biggest bull in the world, but ultimately it comes down – to like being able to move in on that animal and create an opportunity, create a shot, and it's just not easy. So I, I think it's a it's right in your wheelhouse, dude. You're always stalking <laughs> on animals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we have a lot of action out here. That's for sure. There's no uh, shortage of animals, and you know, just being in the field that much. And I like to say that um, I've had a lot of uh, difficult times stalking and a lot of lessons learned, probably more than most people. The amount of action we have here and um yeah i could probably chime in in a couple you know right tips well, and strategies well, that you, i've you, learned throughout the past you talk about failure and failure is a prerequisite to to stalking like you fail a lot and the animals teach you what you can do and what you can't do and you're you're set up to fail those animals their instincts are so keen especially your your animals here on hawaii that they're just going to bust you a lot 
And so it feels like a like a failure. But I once heard Randy Ulmer say that he fails way more than he succeeds. You know that he succeeds ten percent of the time. Now his pictures of those giant bucks may say differently, but he says the same thing. That being a quality bow hunter, that you fail a lot, and I fail a lot. Um, you watched me miss yesterday. Yeah, that was nice to see actually. Because <laughs> I, I didn't know if you missed that all, Brian. <laughs> You're such a good shot, so it was, uh, I was like, "All right, right on." He is human. Oh well, thank you. Yeah, well, um, I learned just as much from you around the hills. Um, such a good hunter, man. We've had so much fun on these this hunt. So, Mouflon, like, like, let's start kind of start there with stalking those. Which uh, this applies to stalking axis, to stalking mule deer, to stalking antelope. Which you have experience. You hunted antelope last year in the states and got to put your the spot and stalk skills to the test versus those and elk and mule deer. But I mean, those mouflon, they're I just I can never like their eyesight is so good. They're not as good at jumping the string on you, but their eyesight is second to none. Don't you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I can't tell you from like a bighorn sheep standpoint or just the sheep species in general, but these mouflon, I mean, they're, especially these rams, they're picking you out from, man, seven, eight hundred yards away. I mean, you get out of the truck and they're like looking at you, oh, we're out of here, we see them. <laughs> you know, you can barely pick them out with your binos. So I don't even know what their vision is, but it is incredible. Incredible. So, yeah. And and those sheep do rely a lot on their eyesight, but I always notice like the smaller of the species, like coos deer have the, the best eyesight out of any of the whitetails, at least in my mind. You know, they're so good at catching mm -hmm. you, so switched on. And those mouflon, like they come from Corsica and were introduced into the Hawaiian Islands and then have adapted to just thrive in, you know, your guys' environment around here in different habitats, all the way from the thick trees to the to the open parks to the and I really like stalking in the open. The more open terrain I do better at. You you do a mix, but I think you like the open terrain as well and keeping an eye on your critters and being able to spot them, huh? Yeah. Um it depends really i'm actually more of a kind of a thicker uh country style of hunter i don't know why i just i love being in that real thick country and still hunting through that stuff i think maybe it's just it maybe it teaches me a lot more on noise you know sound running through that stuff or you know stalking through that stuff or um uh, picking them out through the you know the thicker uh, bushes and trees and you know having to glass through all that to actually find the animals in that kind of area and then um, having I guess a little bit better chance if you do spot them before they spot you or you know before they hear you coming that you know you can get a little bit easier play on them um, as far as the open country it seems like they have to be in the right spot for you to even make a stock to them right mm -hmm. like yeah either um at the bottom of a you know an edge that you can peek over and they're down there or you know the open country is just to me it's a lot harder to get closer mm -hmm. you know on these animals rather than the thicker you know bushy oh, that, that makes sense okay so you do like the thicks and are drawn to the thicks and that's where a lot of the animals end up and maybe a hundred yards off or maybe you're already in bow range so you mm -hmm. got to get really good 
at still hunting, which I think would apply to like hunting elk where you see them disappear in the timber and you know they're in a spot and you have to still hunt through there and you have to pick them out again because you always have to relocate an animal. Even in the open, you see them a long ways off and you get over there, then you got to find them again close. And the key is to see them before they see you. So as you're stalking through this thick cover, you got to slow yourself down, right? You're moving ultra slow, especially when you feel like you're in the zone, you know, where you feel like you're in the zone where there's animals. And then you just slow down your footfalls and really look into the left and to the right, making sure that you catch any animals and you're just trying to see them first, right? That still hunting is an art through that stuff, isn't it? Exactly. I mean, your binos are everything just, just glassing through, you know, as much of that thick stuff and trying to just pick out a discoloration or just the slightest bit of movement in there and then you know once you do find them and you got some decent wind you got a really good chance in that thick stuff as long as it's not too loud of getting on in you know in their bedroom and you know making a good getting a good opportunity on a shot Mm -hmm. that way you know yeah well and as you you know a lot of times as you're still hunting through that you end up seeing them in close range like they're already in bow range yeah you know, oh yeah where you and, can or most times running away in bow range. <laughs> <laughs> isn't that the truth that is most times yeah they're so good at catching that movement and seeing you mm-hmm. I, I like stalking in the open those those mouflon are so good at catching you and so i i think the, the art of it is, like, whether you're still hunting, whether you're spot and stalking, is just seeing them first, seeing them before they see you or seeing them before they wind you. Like, the element of surprise um, is so key, isn't it? Once they're on high alert, once they see something, the game's pretty much over. I mean, you might get an opportunity, you might cut them off, but the time to really kill them and capitalize is when they don't know you're there. So to catch those animals, it seems like... You know, I love getting to good vantage points. I love looking over at country, but you got to almost like hunt your way through country a lot of times. No matter what animals you're hunting, you're hunting a ridge line or you're hunting, a, you know, up a draw or up a valley, and you've got to glass and see them first and kind of glass as you move. Like, even, you know, if you find a good vantage point, like you have to walk to that vantage point before you get there. And so many times I try to rush to get to the vantage point that'll show me the whole draw, the whole drainage. Mm-hmm. And I'll take a step over and I'm starting to expose myself and I just want to sit down in that good spot. What ends up happening is animals see me getting to that good spot or animals see you or not see you like in person, but see us or the person. Oh, they definitely see me. (laughs) (laughs) But but they see you like coming over the top of things like that ridge line of salt. Like anytime you can see new country to glass it, even if you can't see all of it, like glass in the top end, walk over a little bit more, glass the middle end, go walk over a little bit more. But just even before you get to the vantage point, it's so key. I don't know how many times those mouflon, like I take 10 steps to go look at a new thing and they catch me walking. Like, you just got a glass constantly, don't you? Like you said, so key, just creeping as slowly as you can up to that ridge line. You know, if you're blocked by that ridge and you want to peek over, well, you know, don't get to the top and pop your head over right away because what you want to do is creep up to where you can just see that drainage on the other side. And like you said, just, you know, start working your way, you know, get on your tippy toes just to look another, you know. Because at that far of range, you know, your tippy toes just get moving up that high. Now you've got, you know, another 20, 30 yards of glassable stuff on the other side of that drainage that, you know, just going up on your tippy toes to look. So 
yeah just keep creeping forward and like you said just just keep going side by side down until you hit the bottom of that big ravine that big gulches like we have over here and, and yeah i can't tell you how many times i got caught just this trip alone just getting to that vantage point and just not taking it slow enough you, you can't move slow enough they're tough to glass and god they're just so good at catching you too um but yeah i like what you say on your tippy toes like another good move that i've seen you make too is to never to not ridge line yourself out so you're coming to that ridge line and instead of walking up and i kind of like to walk up and glass the new country as it exposes but you can also duck down and then crawl and make your movement and then stand up really slow and then kind of glass over it too i've seen you do that exactly yeah get real low and then well then you have yeah then you have more time to just keep you know lifting yourself higher and higher to be able to look more you know deeper and deeper into that big valley or if there's a nice rock pile instead of getting on top of that rock pile go around the side of the rock pile you know what i mean it's the same thing just creep really slowly around the side of that rock pile or trees or bushes you know whatever's on that ridge just make sure you know you don't expose your even your head like any kind of movement man it seems like most animals that's what they pick up the quickest is the movement that's it isn't it they see movement um you know uh, like we all like good camo patterns and like to blend in and when they look at you and you're not moving you like to to blend in and have them not see it and they can pick you out if you're silhouetted if you're really showing yourself but a lot of times seems like it just comes all down to movement if they don't catch you moving like your money you know as long as you freeze every time they pick up their head and and on a lot of these stocks i love to keep eyes on the animal that i'm stalking like i love to watch their heads and i know when all their heads are down feeding they're not going to see me they're focused on feeding and i can take those steps and when i'm moving with my eyes on these animals Man, I'm moving like the hands of a clock. I am moving so <laughs> slow to put my leg down, my foot down, because I know if I move fast, they're going to catch me. Yeah, and the worst is when you're like mid-move to take that step and you have to freeze because <laughs> one of them, you know, starts looking at you and then you're just in this awkward position like, oh my God, you know, how long can I hold this position? <laughs> oh, I got stuck in a yoga pose. I know you did too. <laughs> I got stuck in a yoga pose. My back was getting sore. My, um, oh my God, I sat there so still for so long and I had him right in range. And if I ducked down, I couldn't keep tabs on him and watch for the big buck to come out. But if I stood there, I could wait. I had to wait 45 minutes. The smaller bucks were feeding around. My back was cramping up. I just could hardly <laughs> hold still anymore. You wouldn't think it'd be that difficult to hold still. It's one of the most difficult things on planet Earth. That and moving slow. Like, uh, people don't put enough emphasis in how tough it is to move slow, but to move your legs really slow and your steps really slow takes so much muscle control and balance and flexibility. Like, it is a constant yoga pose out there. It really is, yeah. That's why a lot of guys that do yoga do really well with that. Me, not so much. I need to get into it. <laughs> do you th is there anything worse than being in a position and cramping? Like getting oh, a cramp God. in your leg? Yeah. And, and you just Show's go, over. You have to move and stretch or something. Yeah. Like You're like, I don't even care if they see me. I can't do this any longer. Yeah, you can't take it. The other uh, worst thing that, that happens or the bad thing that happens is um, you ever get 
like you seem to get like a tickle in your throat, like you swallow like a piece I of do. sage or a piece <laughs> of brush. Not you in general, sorry. I just talk. No, but that I way, do. But yeah. Yeah. I. Um, gosh, dang it. And that you is, have to cough. You have to. It like you're <laughs> crying down your face, and the tickle is so bad in your throat, and then you're mm. trying to cough in your sleeve, and nothing gets rid of it unless you actually cough. I don't understand how, like, because I have had that happen actually more recent than ever before, a couple times, and it was when I was with Janus a few times stalking. I was like, dude, I don't know what happened, but I, like, I'm sorry. I just have a coughing attack right now. Just And, of course, it's, you know, as we're creeping up on a stalk or something. <laughs> just, like, sorry, I got to get it out. Like, my bad. <laughs> right? It's just the absolute worst, isn't it? it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, those are a couple of the bad well, things yeah, that so, happen. But. So this, this, this one time, you know, I was I watched these two rams run into this pocket, and I only watched their ewes run out, and, and I, you know, figured, oh, the two rams are still inside there. So I, you know, creeped to the edge as slow as I possibly could, and I caught some movement through the, the, the timber a little bit, the bushes. And uh, so I just kept my eyes on them. I see a bunch of ewes down in there, and I was like, oh, wow, you know, the rams ran in there, and they stopped. And like okay you know so i just kept creeping to the edge and trying i saw you know a nice curl in there you know you know i suppose what looked like a ram was in there i saw his horns and then i saw his ewes by him and then they finally kind of made their way out to a little bit of an open um place in the ravine and then they sat down and they all bedded and i'm like okay you know here's all the ewes and I creep forward and i'm only 50 yards and i'm kind of skylined myself but they're down in this deeper drainage and I'm you know glassing them up and then all of a sudden one of the ewes just like turns her head just slightly and is just staring right at me and I have my binos up to my face and I'm only 50 yards and I'm like okay I can't move my binos you know so I'm like I'll just wait till she you know puts her head down or looks a different direction put my binos down nope 45 minutes of my binos up to my eyes i mean every other you in that group was sleeping eyes closed but this one just would not because she probably saw me just slightly move would not get her eyes off me she would not shut her eyes or anything so i had to literally lift my binos off of my face a good i don't know five six inches just to be able to get a different peripheral you know before my eyes were just going to explode from you know the, the vision of just being up close and personal with something and um god finally she ended up calming down and she got up and uh turned around and bedded looking the opposite direction i'm like yes thank god okay i can kind of you know relax a little bit move a little more Nope, the you that was sitting right next to her looking in that, you know, away position got up one minute after she did, you know, and turned and sat down looking directly in my direction right up at me. I'm like, what the heck? Like, are you kidding me? It's almost like these things have their back. Like, they know, like, okay, the one got up, turned up. Now I have to get up and and watch the backside because, you know, she's not anymore. I mean fascinating animals super smart animals yeah they rely so much on their eyesight and yeah so you bring up like a a really good point like being able to freeze and hold in that position um it's so key like when they look your way anything looks your way it's not the time to panic and try to draw back and try to move quick i see so many beginner bow hunters make this giant movement to try to draw their bow like like to be to like um stalking these animals a higher percentage play is to stay still and even when you got the ram right in front of you the buck right in front of you whatever you have if you have eyeballs on you it's not your time to move 
you're almost better to stay patient and still patience kills the buck right and so oh god that saying has been in my head ever since you started the podcast <laughs> dude it's so true though isn't it you just yeah. sit in range and you get comfortable with being in those adrenaline filled moments and you get comfortable surveying the situation and you're watching all their heads you're waiting for the right angle on that animal you're waiting for their heads to be down you're just waiting for that right opportunity and again the element of surprise is so important if those animals don't know you're there and you can get drawn back and execute a shot on a relaxed animal you're in the money the moment they know you're there you're on borrowed time you're on limited time they can jump your string they're moving off you may not get a shot your odds drop drastically so you have to try to keep that element of surprise by never giving yourself away like always moving in and trying to understand the 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 wind even to a a higher level i know i've talked about this before but and and it's tough here in hawaii but boy you get those good winds you know those good steady winds you just know you're not going to get busted you just know that you're good you know whether you're playing thermals or directionals this higher understanding always putting the wind first when you're moving in on animals but um yeah and then just really waiting for the moment to draw your bow and to go all in and to make that movement and never being reckless it's so important on those stocks isn't it so being calm being able to freeze like you did with your binos to your face and you're not trying to make a quick move bring your binos down you're not trying to draw your bow while they're looking at you you're not trying to move while they're looking at you like right now is a hold still moment and you may have to hold that for like you did 45 minutes before yeah. you could make a move but isn't that the truth when you're stalking it's a patience game yeah you have to wait for the right opportunity because there's a lot of opportunities over here on you know in hawaii and i can't tell you how many times i've rushed a shot and majority of the times i rush a shot i i don't get that animal and you know that's so like you said it's a bit you know patience kills the buck <laughs> oh man it sure does well and um yeah patience all the way through but you're really good at moving at animals and you're really patient but you're right you, you bring up a good like waiting for the right shot and not trying to force it the minute you try to force an arrow into a really tight window a longer shot into some brush like you're just giving yourself a chance for things to go wrong and if it can go wrong in bow hunting a lot of times it does you know and and sure you may make that shot and ace that animal and it may happen but if you just wait for that animal to be standing to give you a better angle to give you a better shot you you just you're gonna make it happen when you get that opportunity instead of trying to force it in there and maybe getting a, a bad situation so it's so key just to wait isn't it yeah and your success rate goes way up you know it's just it's it really is it's key um just waiting for that that right opportunity when that animal's broadside and even if it's you know walking through a a tight window or something now if it's you know it's walking and short range through a tight window and you feel confident go right ahead but i've i've shot that shot of you know a bunch of times and my success rate isn't that great i mean when you're just better off just waiting for that thing to stop and give you that you know that really good opportunity because you know it, the more you rush your shots the more it's gonna turn you give you bad habits right with executing your shot you know over here our animals are constantly moving in and out and even when they're grazing they'll stop down graze for i don't know five ten seconds get up move another five feet graze for five ten five ten seconds isn't long enough to draw back and shoot that animal you know so yeah you just have to be patient man as, as much as you can to wait for that that golden 
you know, like you said, draw back your bow and just have a nice, you know, 10, 20 seconds or of drawing back, settling in, getting the pin exactly where you want and execution. Execution is everything. You can be the best stalker in the world. And when it comes down to executing your shot, you know, if, you, if you're not doing it, well, there goes another wounded animal and it sucks. You know, that's, that's something that you never want to do. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, really waiting for your shot. And it's, it's a fine line, is it? In hunting, there's so many gray areas. So we talk about being patient, but I've also seen guys be way too patient, not looking for their shot. And I, I got like on the first trip to Hawaii, I had that buck broadside. I was really waiting for my shot and he was walking and I had a window to try to stop that buck and shoot him and I didn't do it. I needed to draw back and stop. So you've also got to look for your shot too, right? <laughs> and it's that's like the this flip fine side, line. right? That's yeah. the flip side of it, yeah. right? Yeah. You see new hunters, right? That don't capitalize <clears throat> on opportunities. Like they get a broadside animal inside their effective range and they're not drawing, trying to shoot it. They're trying to, you know, move closer. They're waiting for a... They're just waiting a little bit, you know, too long. Um, As far as our animals, I always tell new hunters that come over here and hunt these things, like the action comes quick. It's, you'll have that opportunity to shoot it and it'll be quick. You have to be ready to draw back and execute that shot. If not... You know we have such thick terrain over here that and they move so much you know that thing will be out of your life forever in 20 seconds it it will it's a moving stock like on elk a lot of times or any animal for that matter but the axis are so good at walking away from you you know and so yeah you get these these chances of these opportunities but your chance at a big axis buck maybe one shot window where you have to stop them and you're already drawn back or, or one shot window when he's actually broadside and you can see his whole body and you can execute a good shot. And if you don't take that, they walk out of your life forever, like you're saying. And so you have to look for your shot and know what it looks like. And when you see it, you capitalize and make your shot. So you can't be overly patient either. Exactly. You know, when, you, when you're up there and you're in that crucial time of, okay, you know, I'm in my range and this is when I can... You know, this is when I'm going to get my opportunity. Now you better start figuring out, okay, where are your shot windows? Um, you know, ranging whatever you can, figuring out your ranges, you know, so when that thing does walk into that window, if you got a couple different ones, one to your right, one to your left. Another thing I see is when people draw back and when that animal, you know, takes another couple of steps to the right or something, now it's behind a bush or something. A lot of people stay frozen. That animal might stay down. You might have to draw forward, whatever. Most of these animals always have ewes or does around them. So once you draw back, most likely there's an animal that caught you drawing back. Now you can hold, hold, hold as long as you want, but sometimes you just gotta, you just gotta tilt a little bit forward or you know back or just move just slightly to your left or right, just the fine. Okay, right there, there it is. There's that little window to get them instead of you know that. that drawing back down unless you know you absolutely have to because you don't have anywhere that you can slightly move to get a shot off but making your shot opportunity is key yeah absolutely yeah um you're right once you draw back and you never want to release a bad arrow and i've i've let down i let down on that animal this last week a couple times before i shot in the wind i just couldn't hold steady but i could see you know both the animals and know that they weren't looking at me but you're right when you draw back you got to really look for that window and you don't want to slide over quickly it's everything is slow and that's a another mistake i see or like the the more inexperienced bow hunters i'll see them when they draw back it's big movement like i practice drawing my bow back and holding it in the spot and drawing back with the the littlest amount of movement i can 
slowly drawing that thing back and easing those limbs back and not having a bunch of tilt. That's a good tilt. point, Brian. That's a really, really good point. Yeah, it um, that drawing your bow, it's the last move you have to make for getting your arrow off. And I know just those little moves you make right there, they make the difference of getting a shot and not getting a shot. And when I'm with more inexperienced bow hunters that have a big movement to their draw their opportunities just seem to slip between their fingers because they get caught drawing, they get caught in the last movement, and pretty soon they didn't get a shot or it didn't come together, where the more experienced bow hunters that really draw slow and know when to draw, they tend to get more shots. They tend to get more opportunities or make more opportunities. Yeah, that's that's a very good point because, you know, a lot of people, um, that's why I shoot a little bit, you know, slightly lower poundage bow just so I'm not struggling trying to get that thing back in any kind of, you know, quick, jerky movement or whatever you know um just a nice smooth draw you know and sometimes you just sometimes you might have to wait like half draw because something might be on you or you know whatever just a nice smooth you know so it doesn't pick any kind of sporadic movement at least i mean these axis they are so keen like if you draw back too quick or even if that thing's like slightly looking away I mean, not even looking towards your direction. You you draw back a little sporadic. That thing's like, foop, spins his head around completely backwards. Like he's got you pinned. I'm like, what the? I didn't even make any noise. All I did was draw back. It's it's amazing. Eyesight is crazy. Yeah, well, and the, the noise of your bow, too. So over here on these, these axes, they'll jump your string so bad, worse than any animal I've ever seen. But also antelope will jump your string, mule deer will jump your string, white tails. I say one in four mule deer jump your string. You know, they're bad at it. But they, um, yeah, they, they, uh, so you, you gotta, when you, when you shoot like that, that, that bow noise is so important, but where it's also really important is drawing your bow, making sure your bow is quiet when you go to draw back, that your arrow doesn't squeak off the rest or make a, a screech noise that you're, I had my cam squeak one time on, on, uh, one of my bows that I had and what happened was is it creak as i draw back it got some dust in there or something i had to take it apart it happened during season wow. but it creaked just a little bit when i drew, drew back and i was drawn back on a giant seven point bowl oh, in bow geez. range and my bow creaked like that <laughs> and they all turned their head and looked right at you me and the scenario ended up me. blowing up yeah and i had them you know oh but making sure you have an ultra quiet bow is so important when you're drawing yeah it is i've actually kind of um i do a lot of filming on my bow i'll have my camera on my bow or whatever and i've been noticing the the drawback of your arrow on your rest sometimes yes. you know make a you know the arrow sliding against metal so if you don't have a little padding on that arrow rest yeah i've heard that too yeah get some padding on there it makes such mm -hmm. a huge difference and it it comes down these or your quiver not being tight enough on the release of the shot yep. you know your arrows in your quiver Arrows just... in your quiver being loose makes a vibration or a rattle noise. And I heard it on my bow just because I was swapping out arrows and things. And I had one a little loose in there. And, yeah, you shoot. And then it isn't even your bow noise. It's the noise of your quiver, a little bit of vibration. Man, they'll jump your string from that for sure. Yeah. And then, you know, there's a couple elements. There's having a quiet bow. There's also having a quiet arrow. You know, fixed blades make a lot of air, a lot of noise in the air. You know, not that I'm, you know. That's true. Talking, but you sit down range, and if you record down range or sit behind a wall and have mm -hmm. somebody shoot, you can hear it. And what you hear is you hear the bow go off, and then right after that, you hear a zoom, and the arrow hits. So there's two noises there. There's the noise of the bow, and they can jump that. They can also jump the noise of your arrow. 
fixed blades are way noisy coming through the air. There's different fletchings that make different yeah, noises. Fletchings I've really had good. noisy fletchings, you know, so I try to get the most quiet fletching. But sit down range and, and have somebody shoot their bow down there and listen to it. And the quieter the arrow, that also helps. And, man, like all this stuff, it may not make a difference on your scenario this season. But the devil's in the details. And yeah. the more you pay attention to all these details, you're just putting so much more in your favor for it to go right when you get your once-in-a-lifetime chance at a, at a giant bocker bull or whatever you're after, you know? That's true, too, depending on the animals and how skitsy they are. Um, these access there are just ridiculous. I mean, the, the arrow, they definitely hear that thing coming. I swear, if these access deer are looking at you um, or they're just on alert, and you know say they're broadside you know you draw back and but they're on alert say the does are on alert or have been barking at you for a little while and man you go and release that arrow they are either dropping anywhere from one to god they could probably drop two and a half feet maybe even you know more on a bigger buck um or <clears throat> they're uh they're just out of the way right they're gone i mean i've seen shots 40 yards the doe is I don't know let's see let's say about four feet gone already four <laughs> feet at 30 40 yards like on a 60 65 pound you know bow you know that's a fast arrow and yeah it's, it's incredible that's what i see when animals duck the string you know they're reacting to the noise of the bow or the no noise of the arrow but yeah a lot of these animals that i'm shooting at that are 40 50 yards you know um, it's when they're on alert, though. Well, yeah, the, definitely the buck I shot that was on alert. Yeah, he spun. And and the other one that I missed, they were kind of moving out, so they were probably alert, too, even though they didn't know I was there, that he reacted to the string, too. But mm. I notice a lot of times when I say ducking the string, you know, it's not just that they that they duck. And I've seen them do that, too, where they duck and your arrow misses high on close shots. But the farther shots, like you say— those animals are feet out of the way by the time that arrow gets there. An antelope or a mule deer, a lot of times I'll shoot. That animal is already out of the way by the time the arrow gets there. And same with these two axes that I shot at. I mean, they were feet out of the way by the time the arrow got there. Yeah, so if, if I think if they're staring at you when you shoot, so they, for one, they'll hear the bow probably go off, and for two, that arrow's coming, and yeah, that's, that's just the, you know. The nature of the axis, right, is to react. Yeah. They sit and look that direction. The moment they hear something or see something, they use those quick, those quick twitch muscle fibers, you know, mm -hmm. and they just explode out of there. Yeah. Now, if they're broadside, uh, what'll happen sometimes is, like you said, they'll hear the arrow coming, and that'll make them duck down, even if they have no idea you're there. Mm -hmm. um, one time, I think I talked about this once in the past, but you know, I was uh, crossing by this axis buck. He was grazing at like ten feet away. And I had to get past him. There was only one, you know, quiet trail to get past him. And, and there was just this, this big monster buck was screaming on the other side about 100 yards away down in this pocket. I wanted to go check. But this one buck, solo buck, was by himself. So I ended up um, creeping my way past him. And as I got, you know, probably seven feet away from him and I was, you know, just getting parallel to pass by him, my clip to my backpack just grazed a branch. And it just made this weird little clinging noise, right? That is just not natural out in the bush. And this axis, like, he was still grazing, but he dropped down, like, a couple of inches and just did the biggest flinch. I was like, what the heck? I was like, wow. And I was so close. I was like, that's amazing. And then I just went by a little further. Then I 
crack the twig just the slightest little bit and sure enough he flinched again i don't know if that grass must have tasted good because he didn't really get to alert but he flinched on all these little tiny noises that when i was passing by i ended up being able to get by him without him knowing which is pretty crazy but yeah seeing that happen and just those little two flinches on two different sounds was pretty amazing yeah that that noise like all of their in you know you got to watch out for all their senses when you're stalking in but that noise man that is so important you know is to to be able to to manage your noise and it's all by moving slowly and then like seeing those like over here it's a lot of hard trails like trying to find that hard trail through country that you can step on that trail that's worn down that you can be quiet on but managing that noise is so key the wind sure helps out if you can get a little wind you know boy that sure hides your noise as you're moving through uh but it's such a major facet of getting close to these animals because gosh when you're stalking these things like you'll have this this thought in your head that you just want to hurry up and get around this bush get around this tree get to the opening get to where they're at like you're just fighting this urge at all times and your your body like makes you want to go fast right at the end like hurry up and have it happen whether it blows God, up or isn't not that the truth it's just like your body's screaming at you to hurry up see what's around the bush see what's over the ledge and what happens is is if you start to listen to it you move too quick and then the animals bust you because they hear you they see you and you just went too quick in the end you have to fight those urges and just you, the closer you get the slower you get and i try to think of it as you know they may move off and i may not get a shot and i'll be fine with that but i'm not going to blow it up because i'm hurrying too much or rushing too much i'm not going to blow it up because i you know broke a stick and i'm five yards away from where i'm going to shoot yeah, and let them know no i'm kidding. there but that's such a hard lesson to learn but it's so important for hunters isn't yeah, it it's like the two little dudes sitting on top of your shoulder <laughs> and talking into <laughs> each ear yeah right? the good and the bad they're like, you gotta get there they're gonna be out of there you gotta go now the other guy's like you know how many times you've done that and you know you never got success you better slow down and just creep your way forward i mean it's just god it's just wrecking your brain there and a lot of times when and then you got the eye on the prize right that's always the one you got the eye on the prize you see that freaking trophy um or you know or that meat deer and um you're creeping forward and you know you all of a sudden now you're just focusing on him and you forgot all about well you know there might be a bunch of does with him or or say you see the does with him, you think, okay, that's all there is. So you're creeping forward a little too fast. And then before you know it, you, you didn't stop. Take the time to really pan out the area and find every head, every spot, every movement in that area. And then sure enough, busted. Yeah, that, you, know? you bring up a good point there, Sean, is your peripheral. It's, um, you said you get your eye on the prize. And so this is so important as you start looking at the bucker bowl ram whatever you're going to harvest and you start looking at it and you get your eyes on it and you get so fixated and focused on that animal that you stop looking to the left and looking to the right you start you, you're not looking for the other bucks that are with them or you're not looking for the does that are with them you know and and you're right you've got to almost take a step or two and then look to your left and look to your right even though you know nothing's there you just got to keep looking and keep moving slow because a lot of times what happens is is you're moving up on that animal and if you're looking left or right you catch that doe or you catch that other buck and you have to freeze right there before you can get your shot or move in the rest of the way but yeah it's so important to continue to look left and right to catch those other deer before you get into that buck or whatever yes. the animal and is and you better keep your eyes on those animals that you can see mm -hmm. at the same time so 
if you know look left look right if you don't see anything over there you know i mean and when i say look left look right don't be cranking your you know your head left and right and making all that movement use your eyes as much as you possibly can to just scroll as far left to your you know i can't go any further left and same thing with right and then when you know there's nothing to your left and your right before you make any step get your eyes back on those animals in front of you and keep your eyes on them as you start moving forward and if you got to look down to see where you're stepping use your eyeballs to look down not your head to look down there's less amount of head movement as possible and i'm i'm also looking at these stocks when i'm evaluating a stock i'm looking for where i'm going to get my shot at do you look for that as well like uh, oh i can i can shoot over this bluff and get a shot or oh i'm going to be across from him i'm going to be able to see him because you see these animals and to just work into them you're not going to get a shot or kill them or a lot of times it won't work out but you try to almost work to a spot that's in good wind where you can see them again and relocate them so making a good solid plan is is so beneficial in the end of a stock yeah that's crucial too that's a good point right yep, yeah definitely especially if they're kind of um feeding a certain direction or moving a certain direction yeah you know scan look to where you know you might want to set up and stuff like that before you just move in on them and now you're like screwed because you have absolutely no you know no window to shoot through yeah well in a moving stock too is a lot of times like the deer around here are always moving like trying to look in front of them too trying to angle not right at them or behind them but trying to angle into them or in front of them or quartering into them moving to where they're moving a lot of times yeah oh yeah if you move into them while they're moving into you that's just the recipe for disaster <laughs> when you got to watch where you set up too because sometimes you set up when you see them and you're sitting right on their trail and so then they're all coming at you and the does end up busting you before you ever get a chance at the buck oh that's happened a bunch of times yeah, yeah coming right down on your same trail i mean that's just kind of a crapshoot because we have game game trails everywhere but but yeah i mean sometimes if you can get off a trail because you never know yeah you they're gonna be coming know. on that one or not yeah well, that experience is the best teacher. And uh, like we started in the beginning of the podcast, like you get a lot of chances and opportunities. And from those, you just try to learn and get better. And you'll learn a hard lesson. And sometimes I've got to learn that lesson two or three times over before it really sticks. But then you just almost have to have that like a hard rule that you live by. Like I never, you know, I, I've done this a couple times and it may sound stupid, but like I, I have a bluff and there's something bedded below that bluff. And the wind's like just quartering over the edge. And I think, oh, maybe the wind's blowing over them, you know, or, you know, it's just angled just enough. And I try to cheat that wind. I've learned that lesson like a couple, two, three times over where it's just now I just know better. If the wind isn't that, I know it's blowing over and circling in there. But some of these lessons you pay attention to and you have to learn a couple times before it really sticks. But then you have to live by them. There's nothing worse than making a mistake and then going, I shouldn't have done that. I know better than doing that. That's like a, it's it's like a tactical error, and I hate making those tactical errors. Yeah, it's just gonna happen though, you know. Oh yeah. It, it's like, <laughs> you know better, but it still always happens. So you just try to do the best you can. So. You do well. The game is set up to fail. Mm -hmm. Those animals are so good at catching us. You know, their instincts are so keen that you're not gonna win every time. Yeah, you're always getting that reminder. Yeah. You know? they, hey, don't you remember you can't. Do 
<laughs> no, they're going to win the majority of the time. Yeah. You just try to learn from it and make your best play on them to give yourself the best chance, you know? Yeah. And definitely the more you stalk and the more you do it, the better you get. But it's also like paying attention to those little things. Yeah. Range finding is another key. Mm-hmm. Like having the right range, trying to range through the grass, through the brush, making sure that you have the right range. Or pre-range, you know, yep. some areas they might be moving into, you know, some rocks, trees, whatever. Yep. You know exactly, boom, they could get into that spot. You know exactly what the range is, and you don't have to do any more movement with your range finder. Once you get that range finder up to your eye, try and range a bunch of places, you know, unless you've got, you know, that that range on that animal and you're ready to shoot. It's so key, like, when you're calling elk is when you make any calling setups that you range everything around you. So you pretty much know what everything is before that bull comes out. Yeah. Yeah, that's so key. Yeah, um... You've done good, man. You got a heck of a bull that you arrowed coming back this year to Montana to hunt elk again. Yeah, that'll be fun. Can't wait. And those those hills are no joke. You know, <laughs> we're we're used to uh, kind of sea level hunting or maybe a couple thousand feet max. I mean, those those mountains. I don't even know how you train for them. Really, it's just you just got to get up there and get acclimated with it, and you know, let your lungs just scream for a little while and then hopefully you're good to go after that. That's it. Yeah, your body <laughs> you adapts. broken in, you know. That's it. But so fun. You guys got some beasts of some, some hills and mountains up there. It's just a blast. You can just go and get lost all day long and, you know, having camp on your back. Like, we don't do that over here, so it's just a whole other atmosphere that is just so fun to do, just be in the elements, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the West is such a fun place, and elk is such a fun species. And then you've got an antelope tag and then uh, a deer tag as well, so you're going to be busy. Yeah, antelope is a blast. You know, it's a lot like our hunting over here. That's what I would probably recommend for as far as the animals that I have hunted over there. You know, antelope hunting, um, you know, tried it last year for the first time, and I was humbled pretty good, which is awesome, you know, because I'm thinking, hey, you know, I can stalk anything, you know, I hunt all the time year-round. Um, on these animals we have that are super tough to get on and so he's antelope <laughs> first thing I don't know man I feel bad Brian because you were with me like all day hunting these things and you know we're finding every buck we'd see you know I'm launching out of the truck like, I can make a play on him you know it's like wide open there's like four bushes and 200 yards I'm thinking I can get to belly crawling one to the next like just to be able to get nope hell no those things got such good eyesight yeah it was it was good it was fun man I think I had more fun antelope hunting than elk hunting just because of the difficulty so then by the uh the end of the um the antelope hunting I'd you know just figured out hey wait till these things are in a good place to to go do your stock you know wait till there's some good topography to be able to sneak up on them because there's just there's no getting close to them in the open you know so yeah so finally we started making some good plays on um you know when they were in better places and yeah, yeah it was fun, you arrowed man. a buck yeah finally um, arrowed one on the last day yeah. yeah oh man it was fun though wasn't it it oh, um, was great like the one stock we had i always told brian like i would love to go on a mule deer hunt because when i see you know a lot of these stocks on these high country mule deer hunts when you're creeping over the edge and it's just a steep slope and the mule deer is bedded below you i've never had a an actual stock like that before so it was so cool that um this one antelope kind of went up this this hill you know about three four five hundred foot hill and kind of bedded up on the side and me and brian made the play all the way around to get on top of them and we we're creeping down creeping down and got on top of them and i peeked my head over and god i knew he was top pin you know he's within 20 20 yards and 
And then so I kind of bent down. I was like, hold her right here. And, and then Brian kind of peeks up behind me to get a range on him because I, you know, I blew some shots not getting good ranges. And uh, I think the I think one of the the U's or um, what do you call them does yep. for antelope? Yep, does. Yeah, um, might have picked you off range finding or either that or they just have that sense that they know danger is right next to them. And yeah, man, that was one of our better opportunities on our better antelope bucks and just ran when I should have just drawn back and popped up and smoked them, you know, but hey, lesson learned. Oh, we were close. Yeah, there's yeah. um, so fun. But you do bring up a good point is uh, waiting for him to be in the right spot. Mm -hmm. You kind of learn what the right spot is. And on those antelope, yeah, you want it to be a high percentage play. And so, yeah, big part of hunting them is when to stock them, exactly. choosing when to stock them. High percentage plays. Yep. Exactly like that. And they don't live in the thicks too much. It's all <laughs> <Right>? wide open. <laughs> but you're right. It's using the, that topography, trying to find a little rise or a little hill. And it's amazing how much topography the country will give you a lot of times. A lot of times you do think it's wide open, but there's a draw in there or a little depression or use a ridge line. So you're really trying to use that topography and do a lot of your moving out of sight because these animals will catch you at a few hundred yards, you know. So you're always trying to move out of sight from them, you know. Yeah, there's um, a couple other good plays too. Is if um, if you get to a spot and you just can't move any further in, don't try and rush it and get in there when you know like this chance of you actually being able to arrow this animal is, I don't know, like two percent or something like that. You know, like it's probably not going to happen. Just wait, just hang tight, you know, that 100 yards away or whatever. You never know. They might jump up and start walking in your direction, and I can't tell you how many times that's happened. And like you said, patience. Yeah, you just don't blow up the scenario. You let it keep progressing. You let it you let it keep happening, and you're, you're so right. Like, um, yeah, a lot of times if you just wait, you don't blow them up. You don't, you don't force it to failure. You don't force it till it doesn't happen. You just kind of sit back and just chill and wait for him to get to a better spot and yeah i'm exactly like you i can't tell you how many times where i've just waited and been patient and those animals will move to a way better spot where you got a good chance at killing them so yeah not uh trying to realize when it's not going to happen or when it is low percentage and pulling off it is so important yeah well the first um time you came to hawaii you had two really good plays on bucks and you know um you, we were what 60 yards 70 yards and we just couldn't move any closer so we just had to wait wait it out and they'd get up and kind of feed towards us a little bit and there's your opportunity yep instead of trying to creep down there that extra 20 yards when you know the you know that chance is probably not going to happen right know, on success yep. yeah isn't that the truth yeah be patient and wait you never know they might get up start making their way right for you right isn't that the truth yeah well, man, so much fun. Um, thanks for having me, all the hospitality. Oh, it's been great. Things. Man, what an adventure. Gosh, we're, we'll all put out that. We'll put out some IG stories and some photos and then uh, have the podcast with the, uh, with the guys tonight. That'll be fun, huh? Oh, it's always a blast, man. I don't know. We had so much. So much. Uh, we had just about everything happen. It was freaking awesome, man. We had Remy in camp with us and uh, uh, David Wise and, and you and and my two hunting partners over here uh janus and robin and us six we just we full scent bro just just went after it man we we went hard all day in the hot baking sun over here and it was great I what mean, a crew of guys and we right? had just about everything happen from trucks breaking down to uh 
oh, what else happened? You know, guys were forgetting which days it were, thinking they're leaving tomorrow, and they're not leaving for a Gosh, few days. I'm just finally starting I to mean, feel human. We were working off about <laughs> three, four hours of sleep a night and just going as hard as we could absolutely go. And um, what a riot, huh? It was great, great times. I mean, it's all hammer hunters, so everybody was just going as hard as possible and just, just giving it giving it their all you yeah. know how, how wild was things. it uh to meet david too like uh to be able to pick his brain i'm gonna get him on the podcast too but just the mental toughness side of it two-time olympic uh gold medalist like uh out there bow hunting with us and he just how you do one thing in life is how you do everything so that's how he treats his hunting too you know so he just went for it he was really looking to arrow something ended up arrowing a critter on the hunt um he was psyched Oh yeah, he was so ecstatic, and um, he did good. You know, he got it. I think on his second to last day, and he was just out there pushing as hard as he could, and he, you know, um, he did really well. You know, he's a good hunter, great shot, and uh, really, really great guy. You know, um, everybody was awesome. I mean, everybody's got their own little different personalities, and we just all clicked really well. But <laughs> it's alright. It's fun. We did. We did all click really well. We all hunted together, and split up and go with each other and go solo and god dang it we just tried to help everybody out along the way just couldn't have been a better trip what an amazing yeah, I mean, adventure I'll, I'll tell you the truth coming into this mouflon hunt the success rate is what were we thinking on good rams maybe two and a half percent two and a half percent on yeah. on good rams yeah. you know there's all different kinds of, of rams out there we got bad genetic rams and and um, you know baby rams and stuff like that but because there's no there's no age limit you can shoot whatever ram you want and just gotta put your tag on them and um, i'm thinking hey you know if one of us gets a really nice ram that's success for the whole trip out of everybody you know i was like oh we got remy with us like that's my money's probably on him or you know on you brian and and uh sure enough man three three out of the six of us got really nice rams it was just 50 percent like that's yeah you know phenomenal oh we can't beat it what an amazing adventure dude those things are so challenging so fun to hunt and the terrain they live in and the steep and in the rocks i just love hunting and stalking in that country and it it wouldn't be sheep hunting unless you were a little cliffed out here and there you know got a little bit scared here or there but what was awesome was coming back you know in the evenings because everybody would just go and do their own thing and coming back and just brainstorming on hey what worked for you what worked for you and everybody has different styles of hunting so you know that's really cool too about it is you know just collaborating on you know what works success failures um what to do right what to you know what went wrong and and just figuring it out from there you know like the open country worked really well finding them in a good spot and being able to you know work down this drainage five six seven hundred yards down towards the ocean and then pop up over this rise and know he was down in there and you know make a play that way like yeah it was it was killer so fun uh well yeah i just can't thank you enough man for your friendship and for having me out here the hospitality um what a trip uh what a great podcast gonna be fun with uh tonight with the guys too so um yeah we'll get a few things done and um gosh we'll we'll jump back on the mics here in a little bit sounds good brian thanks man okay all right guys that's a wrap Again, super fun conversation with my buddy Sean. Uh, The guy just lives, eats, sleeps, and breathes bow hunting. He just absolutely loves it. And so he's the perfect guy to have on the podcast. He he is also... such a great hunter too and i i really respect his skills and so it's great to have those in-depth conversations he was nice enough to to have me over at his place there and 
have me out on that hunt, which I had an absolute blast on. And so can't thank those guys enough. And uh, like I say, he just left here, um, able to bring a nice bull and nice buck antelope home. So he's got some good Montana meat headed home. And um, so pumped for those guys. You know, a lot of close calls. It's just tough out here out west. Um, so, you know, this podcast is just perfect. The The nuances of spot and stock. Because like I say, you only get so many opportunities and then it's what you do with them. And uh, I right now, like as I say that, I can think back at some high country mule deer opportunities that I had that I duffed. You know, a couple mistakes I made, a couple things I couldn't change. Um, but gosh, to make those mistakes just just eat you up because it is it's all about performing under pressure and uh, making the right decisions and um, I've made some right ones this season also made some wrong ones so just like you guys I'm always looking to improve and get better so um, yeah I mean right now I just got to carry it into season I got this Montana elk hunt coming up I'm gonna leave here in a couple days things got postponed a little bit with my cameraman but um, we're gonna get out there and start hunting some elk so uh, I got a couple days here take care of uh, this podcast, take care of my other work, my responsibilities, hang out with the fam, try to catch some volleyball games, and um, I'll be on my way before I know it. Uh, super pumped at this hunt. Uh, just so fortunate that that I have time this season and be able to chase my dreams and um, just had an absolute riot. Um, so much fun in success and in failure. So, um, so much fun. I can't wait for the rest of the season. Now we're getting into the cold weather hunts. Uh, I got a handful of inches of snow outside and uh, probably a foot in the mountains. And so uh, it's going to get cold. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the, these late season opportunities. Okay. Uh, I want to thank our sponsors for today's show Swagger Bipods and Matthews Bows. Thanks to those guys for their support. And um, yeah, I see the Eastmans are having some success. So I told you guys I saw Ike killed a really good buck with a good flyer. Pump for him. Um, guy's been helping the hunt winners. I think they got a couple bulls down or a bull down or something. Uh, so they're doing good. And uh, I know Scott Reekers, he's out on his deer hunt now. He's been hunting pretty hard here since Rifle opened up. And uh, yeah, I know Brandon's been out. So yeah, I just got to catch up with the guys. I know Dan's had, had some success. Uh, who knows how much that guy's just an absolute killer. He's great on the podcast and a great bow hunter. Um, so I can't wait to see what he's turned up. It looked like one heck of a bull he killed there in Wyoming. So I need to get a closer look at that thing. But um, yeah, pumped for those guys. Pumped to catch up to him here. Uh, I'm going to make a run over to the office here. Oh, I don't know, this winter. So get some good recordings and um, yeah, just be good to catch up and hang out with those guys. So uh, I'm pumped. I still got some of my season left. I'm ready to go hard and and uh, leave it all out on the field. And so, yeah, just take off here in a couple days, and we'll go chase some elk. So uh, thanks, you guys, for the support. Thanks for the feedback on that live podcast. I think I'll try to do more of those. And uh, pump for your guys' success. And um, gosh, I think that's about it, right? That's about it. All right, well, close this off, and I'll check in with you guys next week.